0: Uh, please join me in welcoming Phyllis Patnode.
1: Thank you so much. I, it's It really is a pleasure to be back here. I'm normally out in that area during church, you know, so being up here is, wow, I feel really honored. So thank you for having me here. Um, again, being an outreach and education, sometimes people say, well, what does that mean? And what that means is that at Rush, the Alzheimer's Disease Center, um we have been around for over 25 years and within the 25 years we have done had research research studies um, and once the information comes in we have the different doctors like some of you may have heard dr Wilson anybody here have hearing dr Wilson uh, a couple weeks ago now right so he's he's a wonderful doctor um, inspirational, talented man who takes the information from research, puts it into paper form, and um, then we, gets out more into the published published arena. And from that, again, we learn different information and different ideas of different research comes up. So more uh, information is being able to have research participants. Uh, we learn different things. I come out into the community. So it's like a wheel going forward. Um, And the neat thing about our department is really our mission statement, and that is really what says it all. Who we are is we are dedicated to reducing disability due to Alzheimer's disease and other age-related conditions through research on the treatment and prevention of disease for this and future generations. So our center, with being 20 about 25 years ago, it was Dr. David Bennett. Started with like two people, and we have grown into 100 people in our department. We come out into the community in all aspects to teach what we have learned, to work with our research participants, um, and to get a little feedback. And some of you may have been asking, why is this form on your table? It is because we are one of the 29 federally funded sites in the United States to do Alzheimer's disease research. Because of that, we have like this internal review board to make sure that we are out in the community. So we do ask like little information with your name, your address, phone number, birth date, and at the bottom, I'll explain that later. Um, But this all stays in within rush. So don't worry if you fill this out. We don't share this information with anybody. So I now want to make sure, can everybody hear me? Am I, Is this okay? I, okay, good. You, you can, want me to talk a little louder? Okay. I don't know if I can do this. Is, is this better now? Can you hear me a little bit better? Is this better? Okay, good. So what I'd like to do today is to talk on what we are understanding on memory and you're maintaining your health as we all get older. Is anybody not getting older? Are we all getting older, (laughs) right? (laughs) So how can we continue to to maintain our memory? Um, So with the information that I have today, and we are going to be talking about our different lifestyle choices, uh, but we have found out about these lifestyle choices again through research. But first of all, as we get older, the first question I like to find out from people: What is old in your mind? What what, what is old? Thoughts. Eighty. Uh, some, some one one time, someone said fifty, and I said, "Oh, I hope not," you know, because I'm thinking, no, you know. But um, different people have different ideas on what is old. What's interesting is our government thinks sixty-five is old. At sixty-five, you are. Go- to retire you know get into our, our um, some sort of system and but most people live to be you know the 80 90 it's not unusual in different groups where I, I there are hundred year old people in groups so our whole thought of old has changed so much through the years so anybody in this group over a hundred a hundred no okay well yesterday I was at a group where she was 98 any anybody in their 90s no okay see this is good okay um how about like um seventy five to ninety any seventy five to ninety years old okay and then sixty five to seventy five um anybody twenty one <laughs> okay Yes, I, okay, I love There's a, Well, there's a whole table back there, of course. Yes, I, right. So again, as we are seeing the different ages and the different people, it's the question then, how old... Some people have thoughts of how old do I want to be, all right? Would I like to live to be 100? Anybody like to get to that milestone 100? Okay, sure. And how about if I said, but live to be 100, but maintain your movement, being able to still... Get to where you want to go. You're walking right. I see more hands and nods. And how about if I say, "Live to be a hundred, being able to move, and then as well as keeping your memory, being able to keep your thinking." About all right. That's most people are like raising their sign me up. And that is what we do find out. It's it's it, we to live your life. It's maintaining your walking, your memory, and there's a fancy word for that. It's called disability free longevity. Being disability free for as long as you're living. And that is what we aim to do. Of course we work with Alzheimer's disease but as we know our body and brain they're connected. So we, we really do work on the overall health. Um, now I don't have any special vaccine or pill. I mean we cannot just now share coffee and go. We, it's Some of this is now lifestyle choices of what we have learned for people who age successfully. Um, So again, if there was different choices, it, it does come to each person, and it comes through a change of thoughts that we've had through the years. Some of you might be able to remember to look back at your grandparents or the special aunt, uncle, and when they retired, when they were old, you know, at 65, They may have had a retirement party, received their watch, you know, and said, this is great, you've earned your time to relax. Here's a rocking chair, sit here and watch the world go by. (laughs) And I, I take that, that's how we all feel, like, really? No, that's not what we do today. We totally want to do so much more. That rocking chair, we will keep, you know, there's times for that. However, there's so much more in life. So as I'm talking about these five lifestyle choices, you will hear and find out how we came to these findings. Things don't always come so easy, you know, like, again, the rocking chair. That was a thought at one time, wearing seatbelts. I hope everybody wears seatbelts. That wasn't the case years ago. We learned through the years of um, doing, uh, making special notes. And as I go through here, I really want to keep this open to an interactive time. So if there are questions. I believe there's a microphone with Karen and oh, way back there too. So please, you know, raise your hand, and, and definitely we will take questions right at that moment. It might make sense for everybody. And if you feel like getting your cup of coffee, standing up, go ahead. I mean, just make this make this your morning as well. Okay. So our first point here is to have physical exercise, to exercise, to get moving, right? Um, how – that is something that, again, we take for granted. We, we, of course, get moving and doing a lot of things. But to have specific exercising to, to get into a regiment. Um, I know each of you probably have different things going on, you know, that you like to do. Do some people like walking? I mean, as a regular exercise, okay? Or maybe swimming, tennis, bike riding, yoga, What, what we? The, swimming, see, so great, and yoga, plays, golf. Wow, well, how great, again, the walking movement, that is so great. Um, so a lot of different exercise, but how the best part of our exercise is the walking, which incorporates with the golf, the swimming, again, moving. But walking is something we can bring into our everyday. And how, how are we going to add steps? How can we get walking? And that is something to keep more in the back of your mind. How can I add those steps to my day? Um, I always think who here likes to shop okay right we like to shop so when we pull into a shopping mall where do we park we will drive around 10 minutes to get to the closest place by the door so we can shop okay what if we parked a little bit further back walk close especially on a beautiful day like today right get into the store and instead of going directly for your different items to add a few more steps, walk around the store a couple of times, or, and then go and get your items. Uh, of course, on a beautiful day like today, you can be outside more. But you can think of different ways to incorporate adding steps. So about how many minutes a day should we be trying to walk? Like 30 minutes a day, right? Yeah, thank you. 30 minutes a day. And it does not have to be done at all the same time. You can have two 15 minutes, three 10 minutes, but again, that movement. And again, when we're walking, we're not saying to build up and get perspiration all over you and just feel so hot. It can be just get a nice pace, being able to walk and talk, Now if you're going to a pace where you can't sing a song, slow down, you know, you can walk a little bit slower. So what does all the exercise do? What does that do for memory? How is that good for us? We are breathing in the oxygen, and over a third of what we breathe in goes up to our brain. So we're really creating and to keep our brain more alive. Um, It also helps with decreasing the strokes the heart attacks um, protects against uh, just a lot of keeping your ligaments uh, keeping your whole body fresh um, so how do we know about walking what kind of research have we done uh, there's a couple that I, I would like to share with you the first is why we know to add extra steps um, there's a study done in Australia Okay, And they walk a lot anyway. That's a very healthy country, as, as is, like, Europe. Here in the United States, we do not have that many steps in our daily life. Um, in Australia, their daily steps are about 6,000, 6,500 steps. How many steps do we have here on an average in the United States? About 3,000. And so we are less than half. So in Australia, what they did, and when we do research, you have a group that stays the same. So the groups that were doing their walks stay the same. The other group, they were asking to add more steps to hopefully get to 10,000. They did a memory test ahead of time with both groups, and then after three weeks, they came back with their results. The people, again, who stayed with their normal life, stayed about, you know, their 6,000 steps, and they still had their memory, you know, they were okay, they were good. The people who try to get to the 10,000 steps a day, they, their memory was sharper, a little quicker, they felt better, they had more energy. And that was, again, just adding steps, adding how much more can you do, Be more cognitively aware of that. Um, the second research that we have done on movement is with our own memory and aging project. Uh, that is one of the studies that Dr. Wilson is very involved in. That is where every year we go to different uh, community retirement homes and we follow the people who have agreed to be in the study and we'll ask them a lot of different questions um, about their exercise, their food, their health and we even also want to find out details on their exercising, their movement. So there is a special contraption called an actograph. It's something that they put on their wrist and they can see how much movement they have. And it's kept on 24 hours a day. It can get wet, you know. So at the end of their seven, week, uh, seven days, the full week of wearing that, it's plugged into the computer. They see how the people are with their uh, movement. It's probably not surprising, but the people who seem to move the most have better memory, and even there's a paper in the writings called the fidget factor. How many of us remember in school in class don't move don't fidget you know we 're supposed to sit there well i 'm kind of changing that now it's okay to move a little because the people who seem to have a little bit more action, even when they were sitting, it was there they're the ones who had their memory a little bit more so what does that mean? It means movement is great. We—it's definitely not sitting on the rocking chair. It's definitely getting out. So, and any questions? Yeah.
2: So if. That means-
1: there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's that's one of those conundrums. Like, hmm, where, where's the fidgeting? <laughs> I know. Um, again, at nighttime, some people do ask about like sleep and memory. To get a good sleep does help your memory. So if you're, um, if it's hard for you to fall asleep. Again, try to think of your patterns beforehand. Are you maybe being too active? Are you eating the wrong foods? You know, just quiet down your mind because we all need that good sleep. Um, And I'm not too sure. I need to check about the nighttime fidget factor, you know, if people were moving, you know, or not. But um, it's more that that's a good question. That's good. Anything else? Yeah.
3: Well, I was thinking, what about people who are paralyzed from the neck down. I was specifically thinking of Johnny Erickson Tada uh, who's you know she's really strong Christian Britain, and they can't move. They can't walk. Or...
1: That's you know and you're right. I am talking to this group here who, who walked in here today. Um, there are different people who have restrictions on, on the way they're able to move their legs and their limbs. There are different different parts, than that they have to have a different type of physical regimen, but it's still the movement. So someone who's paralyzed, it's so hard, but that's where other people can help, like the movement, the massaging, you know, getting, getting the blood flow going through through your arms. Uh, people who are, and sometimes this can happen to all of us. If we have a foot surgery and we can't get up and walk, and, you know, we want to heal, you know, so we can get to that next step of walking, Still to sit in a chair and to exercise, um, like stretching your legs out, moving your arms. Again, creating the blood flow is so important. So at each part of where you are physically, do take that into account. And, and um, you know, we, we can't all walk and be as quick as we always want to be, but, you yeah. know. So, so we are physical. Okay, we're starting to add more steps. We're we're really getting our exercise, our oxygen to our brain. And but if we're exercising our body, we also want to exercise our brain through uh, different puzzles, different games, crossword puzzles like Sudoku, jigsaw puzzles, um, even books. You know, reading books. You're um, you're exercising your your brain. So. What we see there is that it seems like the people who create more of um, exercise to your brain, their cognitive, their memory, it lasts longer. It is is better. And some people have asked me through the years, what if, like with education, okay, if, if, if I'm more educated, will I not get Alzheimer's disease? And that's the sad part. Alzheimer's disease doesn't pick a certain demographic and that's it. It really can get off phases of life, yet what we are finding, there is sort of a a reserve, uh, like a brain reserve, a memory reserve. So when you are diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, so often it may have been already like 10 years in, in in your brain. But the people who seem to have that little bit more of education, memory, um, exercising, it seems to act as a reserve. So the symptoms don't come across as strong. Or maybe they're able to cover it up more, you know? Yes? Involved in music? The music and memory. Um, that for statistics what what I do know about music and Alzheimer's and memory music is at the core of people so that is one of the last the last parts of your memory to go away um, sometimes when someone is really getting further along in the disease if they can sing the old songs that they know the old church hymns you know you'll see a uh, Response of like a recognizable response. I know that. And the smile comes across. Music is great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're asking um, if the music itself, like people, if that's their profession, if they have longer legs longevity, avoiding certain diseases. I don't know that directly. Um, Again, that that is certain demographics that I don't know, but what I do know is even the most brilliant scientists can get Alzheimer's disease. So what we have done at at Rush is that we realize different people have different lifestyles, um, different places where they live, so our studies cover all different races, all, a lot of different age. Um, in fact, I've talked about already the Memory and Aging Project, and that's open to all, everybody, but that mostly Caucasians, it seems, and um, Asians, just because of where the communities are. That's where we started 15 years ago. Uh, recently, about seven years ago, we started a minority aging research for the African-American community, Lifestyle choices, education can be different in different communities. So when you bring up the, the music, I, I don't know. I think it would be... you want, wait, wait, one moment, please. It would be an interesting study. hmm I do, too. I'm going to write that on your form with that, so I will bring that back because that's that's the kind of comments we do on your interest form. Um, who's next? Right here? We'll, right th- um, have you studied the genetic component and come to any conclusions? Studying the gen- genetic components. Um, conclusions, and uh, that is an ongoing study as well of what we're trying to find out about genetics. People do ask me, like, if my mother or grandmother or a blood relative has had Alzheimer's disease what are my chances? Um, currently if we went throughout the United States and had a memory test on every 65 year old you know, there 2% would basically have Alzheimer's disease. If we then did the same test for 85 year old that number gets to be 45% which means it's still more than half do not get it. So Alzheimer's disease does seem to come with age. However, on the genetic side of it, if we went to every 65-year-old, there'd be about 4% who would have um, Alzheimer's disease. So that number goes up with genetics. What we are finding is that there is a genetic component, you know, that, that if you have it, you could, you could have Alzheimer's disease, but you might not. Um, there's a if you're under the age of 60 and you've been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease that is where we're finding more genetic connections there in fact the under 60 year old um, it's we have like even a support group in Elmhurst if you know anybody who's younger and has Alzheimer's disease I mean I, I have information on that because support groups are so important but the genetic, and that's where the genetic part comes in, more for the younger, younger person. Did that help?
2: Okay, going back to music and memory, uh, I teach piano, and I teach all, all levels, and I start with sometimes six- or seven-year-olds. And it has been my theory that memory is a skill, And I require my students, the young young ones particularly, I sort of give up when they get to be adults, but uh, young ones, I require them to memorize something every week. And I've noticed that as they get older and older, their memory improves tremendously just from uh, using it all the time. Uh, High school students can memorize a two stanza poem just like that. And I just, is, is that your feeling also that memory is a skill?
1: That is, oh, that is memory. It's, it is so interesting in the skill. If you there is something, use it or lose it, and that is true. And um, so, yes, the more you practice, the more you use your memory, it, it, it helps there. In fact, the thought of memory, what is memory? Is if you can learn something new, and then can you retain it? And use and continue to use that new skill, that new knowledge. So, um, yes, kind of a use it or lose it type of feeling. And I and I want to explain a study kind of that went with this. Um, there was uh, the, there's a group called the superagers, 80 and older, okay. And the study here was: Can you learn something new? Can they learn computer skills? So, in any study, again, we have the base. So we have three groups there we had a room with the superagers and like the younger say 20 year olds they were younger um, and then we had just the 20 a group of 20 year olds by themselves and a superager group by themselves they were going to learn a new skill on and it was a computer skill okay and the superagers the group with the 20 year olds the superagers gave up they said I guess I can't learn this cuz those 20-year-olds were good quick, they got it, they gave up. Now in the other two groups with the 20-year-olds of course, you know, they were good, they continued. The superagers by themselves, they learned the skill. They did not give up. It took a little bit longer to learn that skill, but what's memory, being able to retain it and continue? They were good. They retained, their retention was just as good as the 20-year-olds and they were continuing to go on. So a lot of it is there is something called the okay plateau is what um, I kind of refer this to. We're good at a lot of things, right? And, and that's just in this, in this world. We're, we're good a lot, but what are we gonna get better at? Sometimes it's by interest. Sometimes it's by what we like to do, what we'll work more time at. But if you're okay at something, what if you tried a little bit harder and try to memorize and try to work on those type of skills um, to get beyond that okay plateau? Yeah. Um, here.
4: My memory exercise, personally, is in memorizing scripture. And I've done that since I was a teenager. And these verses keep coming back to me just like that for every occasion and everything. And I keep repeating these verses, like the twenty-third Psalm, I usually repeat it every night before I go to sleep, and I just find it's, it's a great way to memorize things.
1: Good. The scripture use—that's a perfect way. Again, with the scripture, and it's a comforting to you, and that's—and then you re, can recall from childhood and keep growing on that. So your okay plateau can keep growing. Yeah, that's good. Yes.
3: Um, I hate to keep thinking of the exception to the rule, but I can't get Ronald Reagan out of my mind, because here he was an actor. He had a memorized scripture, script. Uh, I mean, that's not easy to memorize that. Be our president. He was active physically. I'm sure he read lots of books. And, I mean, he was an intelligent man. So it's like, there. to me, there's no set rule. My mom had Alzheimer's. So uh, I took care of her at home for seven years. She had it for just a little bit over seven years, but um, so I. To me, when I I hear all of this, I keep thinking, but Ronald Reagan. It's like it isn't a set rule if you do these games and uh, read and and exercise. It's like there's no guarantees. It isn't a sure thing.
1: No guarantees. I think that that's true. There's no guarantees in life. So. Um, Even the most brilliant persons, and I really look at the president of the United States, to become a president, you are brilliant in so so many ways. And, of course, Ronald Reagan was. He, as we um, have looked at it, he had Alzheimer's disease probably a good 10 years beforehand. Again, some people become very good at masking their memory loss. Uh, You might be hearing different words like... um, filling in like using the word thing or you you just don't get to the right direct word and that's like a mask. Uh, With Ronald Reagan he was at the level where he had a lot of help you know people who wrote uh, his speeches and such but you're right it does not stop at at any type of one type of person that is the sad part and that is why our research is so important to do and we, we love to have that vaccine yeah.
4: I would like to make this a bit more personal. I'm going to speak about my husband, who is 85 years old, and he was ill. He had a heart condition, and we happened to be under the uh, care. Our primary care was a male, and they had said to him that although he had difficulty because of his heart, they said, don't give up. If you like to play poker, play poker with the guys. If you like to play bridge, by the way, he said that is one of the best games for any woman or man to play. If you're playing it socially, if you're playing, you know, for blood, forget it, because it's too stressful. But they recommended this, too, and they also said, and I'm not belittling. I'm just saying that this is personal because we're, uh, you know, I know you're doing the same thing. But um, they also had said, make little chores, some of your walking because he was having difficulty then in walking, he used a cane and he tried to walk through it. I would walk with him, and I' walk at least at least thirty minutes a day. But he said, "Do this when he said, "If you mow the lawn, which he didn't do, but he said, "Any kind of walking you do, breathe deep." And he said, "Get your exercise from that." and so I said to him, "You know let 's play a game with this." Uh, when we make the bed, it's such a pain as most of us will know. You make it in the morning, you do it at night and you think this is really a pain. And I said, instead of feeling that way about it, just think when we walk around to the side, that's it's a big sheet, we have to turn it over. Use those steps for your for your walking. And we have done that and and using a vacuum cleaner. Go slowly and walk around. Do it twice instead of once. And you'd be amazed at the number of of times at steps we have increased. And he was so much better. He did pass away, unfortunately, because of his heart condition. But the last times of it, it, was easier for him because he was exercising. And I knew that his brain was okay. Though There were times we forget things, but we all do. And I think that's a good way to increase your steps.
1: That is so good. At your, and thank you for sharing. And these are the kind of stories we like to hear, and we're hopefully that helps other people here too. Um, it, it is your everyday choices, every day that you do. It, the whole thought of, um, like, taking stairs or something or going to have to clear out the laundry... Think of it like okay, that's okay because I'm adding steps to get there. And again, to even making the bed, counting that, using that, being cognitive of where what what you can do. Thank you for sharing that. That is good. And so there, like we said, there's a lot of different ways that we can exercise both our body and our brain, and they work together. They really work together. And again, from our map, our Memory and Aging Project study. Um, We have learned so much, and maybe Dr. Wilson touched base. I wasn't able to attend that, um, but maybe he touched a little bit of information on this. With our Memory and Aging Project, that is again a study that following people year to year, but then at the end of life, they have decided to donate their brain. And that is the true way right now we can find out if someone has had Alzheimer's disease. It also helps us for looking at the paper and looking at the pathology. So two different doctors are evaluating the paper, the pathology, and when they're looking at at the brain tissue itself, they can see sometimes where there's a lot of plaques and tangles. That's like a protein buildup too much book, you know, and they're just making the connections, your neurons not connecting correctly. Um, So you see that and so Often there's people that are saying, like, oh, this person had Alzheimer's disease. We go back and look at the paper, the year to year to the year, their memory is still pretty good. It's still, they really did not show that they had that further along Alzheimer's disease, what we thought. What were they doing? What, you know, so that is where, again, this information and the memory part is that they were using it and not losing it you know they were learning new things they were um keeping their exercise going so again with a lot of this results it came from our memory and aging project we have other clinical trials at the very end i'll talk a little bit about that but um, it is it's it's just interesting to see what we've done so now if we're exercising our body and brain we get hungry right we have to eat the nutrition what are we going to do how can we decide what vitamins are good? How much of this or that? You know, do I take what kind of supplements? Um, and yet we want to enjoy food. We don't want to make eating a chore. We want to have fun. So if you can think of putting color onto your plate, adding the colorful foods, and um, again your greens, you know your different peppers, your color peppers, your fruits, your lean cuts of meat. Oh, wheat bread, you know, get rid of the white. Okay, we've all heard that. Well, what someone told me that was interesting, remember I said walk around that store? Someone said if you walk around the perimeter of the store, that's where a lot of your healthy foods are. So as you're looking at like your vegetable and fruits and you're coming around, well, someone said then there's wine on the other side, which I, I'm like, really, you know, but anyway. So people have asked, is wine good? And I said, well, moderation, red, you know, but I, I don't know. Um, so they just so walking around the perimeter but if you then stop and do more of your buying and getting a lot of more of your nutritional food we're finding the actual food is most likely more is is better than taking your supplements uh, supplements are good if you need them for doctor prescribed if you know you can't get those extra foods okay but otherwise put your money supplements are expensive put your money toward your right right food Um, In fact, I have a handout up here, too, that if people want to know about dietary supplements, kind of giving you an idea of what type of vitamins to have. Uh, We have done research on vitamin like the B12, your serifolin studies. Um, And, again, better to get it through your green leafy type of foods. We are currently also doing a study on vitamin D and uh, your fish oils. They were doing that in conjunction with Harvard so, we'll find out. We don't have that information yet. So, anyway, dietary supplements, it's up here if you're interested. Now, the fourth thing I would like to talk about is socialization. Um, and you guys are all social. I, you could probably tell me more about how to be social. Look at you. You know, I just can see that uh, from your different interests and everything you do. But what's socialization? What have we learned? There's an uh, interesting part that has just been written about three years ago by our Dr. Brian James, and he was here about that time as well. And he was talking about life space. How big is your life space? What life space on that is to live, we basically only need food, shelter, and clothing, right? We could just basically stay in our little room as long as someone ordered Peapod, we had food, we could just stay there. But that's not very healthy. You're becoming isolated. Isolation starts sometimes into depression. Depression is sometimes the worst thing with stress for memory loss. So, adding on to your life space is so important. Um, coming out, you know, again, to, to different church or different interest groups, meeting up with neighbors so if we know that if we know it's good to expand your life space could there sometimes be somebody who you know who's becoming more isolated kind of um, not getting out as much making that phone call seeing if they want to come with you and vice versa how many times have we received phone calls and we sometimes get into rots like no but once we go when we say yes do you come back feeling better you know, we, we are social. We like being out there. So it's, it's a two way street of, of being out, um, out into the work, out into your neighborhood. And then this last part I want to talk about is purpose in life. Um, and this is where I, I feel this is total total choice now as ourselves because you know at sixty five we were asked to retire. We're 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 out there, right? We we don't have what, what are we going to do now? Because all the way up to about 65, we are basically told what to do. You go to school, right? I mean, everybody started out little, I think, you know, and they went to school. During the school years, you found out what interest you had. You may have joined the choir or been in the band or maybe a sports team, um, different other clubs. Your interest really grew during those school years. And then, some, you know, got a job or you get married, you begin a family. Someone is always telling you what to do. If you don't show up at work, you get that phone call. Uh, If you have children, they're saying, well, where's my food? You know, you you have to keep moving and doing things. All of a sudden, life can start changing, you know, where um, you're working less or your family moves away. No one is really directing you where to go. And that is, again, now back to you. What is my choice? What do I like to do? Why do I get up in the morning? And what are some of those reasons why? I know some most here probably church okay we like going to church but other thoughts of what people like to do to get them going? You can just yes you like to volunteer. volunteer in different so many different areas right? So many choices I mean and what you were good at again through your different um, interests, you can just help others teach that skill and or help. I love that volunteering. Yes? Anybody else? Yes? Join. Join, see, there are many of those groups, yeah. Now, where have you found different groups?
5: Springs, um, Hinsdale, LaGrange, um, and through a hospital, also LaGrange Hospital. Has what is called Act Two. Um, can't think of the oh yes, and also um, part of Burr Ridge. So there's so about five, I think. Yeah. Five, and they're advertised. You can find
1: out which ones you like to like different community well, ones. Probably. Usually,
5: the um, park districts so oh, the recreation District. centers have okay. that information.
1: You can get it online, of course. Park districts, great, great place. Yeah.
3: Um, first of all, Jesus is my reason for getting out of bed in the morning because he gives me purpose for my life. And I know as long as I have breath and he's in my life, I have a purpose. Uh, after that, I love my computer. <laughs> I love being on the computer. I love learning new things, uh, especially on the computer. I, I'm just, uh, it's one of the best things in my life. You know, and I, I just love it.
1: And you can feel connected with the, with the computer like that. Sure. And again, with your, with our faith, you know, you can also find different information on the computer to continue that purpose. Huh? That's good. Uh, does anybody have, like, a dog or a cat that makes them want to get out and walk that dog, feed the fish? You know, like that's... You have a dog or a cat? Has a cat. Okay. So, Right? So, again, the purpose in life. So uh, the reason, again, the purpose. So if, um, if anybody else has anything, again, just let me know because this is the part I want to talk more about about you because it's your purpose in life. It's, it really brings us all together. With the purpose, again, when I'm saying so we grow and we get older, at 65 years old, people who make it to 65, basically you're going to live to be 78 or 80 there's like a good 15 years of what am I going to do? What do I like to do? And so you can see how your purpose in life, that whole circle comes around where we want to stay physically active. We want to um, be able to learn things and eat well and be social because that purpose in life can change. And I know you have something to say.
4: I was going to say we're very fortunate because in our group here, we have excellent uh, clubs and excellent people that have formed clubs from our park district alone, from Hinsdale, from Oak Brook, they're supporting, and even from, I think they have an excellent one in uh, LaGrange, and also in uh, Berwyn, if I'm mistaken. And my husband and I have taken some of their trips, their three, four-day trips. They were excellent. Somewhere, somewhere with about tours originating right here from our church, and they were the best, and it's so much fun because my husband said, I'm so happy to do this. I don't have to make any arrangements. We all get on and get off. The, and they even uh, you now f- form them so that they don't start early in the morning. It's usually about a, when you get to a hotel, you stay there for about three days, use that as the base, and then visit other. You can come and go as much as you want. And you can go alone. You can go with you know, a, a friend. But people are so wonderful, and I would encourage people to really check out these the different clubs and these different community activities.
1: Is the, and, again, if you have any questions, definitely come and talk to Loretta. She'll, that, that's a good idea.
2: And have there been any studies on uh, the addition of oxygen, um, you know, artificially through, through carrying the oxygen with you, whether that... Uh, improves uh, memory or staves off Alzheimer's um, other than just general uh, uh, need for oxygen if your heart's not getting enough around. But has anybody done any study on, the, on uh, whether or not the
1: addition of oxygen helps the memory? So the addition of oxygen. So, again, we all know with our regular walking, we do breathe it in more, which is, of course, the best thing to do. You know, you're expanding your lungs. But are you talking about, like, ex- the oxygen tank then? Carrying around your well, Right, right. That is always um, a really good boost to energy, you know, getting that oxygen. Yet um, I don't know of any studies that has been done like that. With, with medicine, with taking care of people, um, we also want to make sure it's kind of a slippery slope. You know, it's sort of like if people got so used to getting a, um, a little bit of hit of oxygen all the time, is that good, is that not? Would people become more lazy, you know? Um, so I, that, that's just my own personal feeling, because I just know so often we want that extra work. And so maybe at certain ages, yes, you know? But I haven't, that's an, I'm going to write that one down to see if there's been any. Someone once asked me, and this is interesting on memory, and I don't know why all of a sudden I thought of this, if left-handed people are more smart than right-handed people. (laughs) Oh, let's see, okay, I knew there'd be a (laughs) left-handed. And I asked Dr. Wilson that, and he said, you know, I need to look into that, because he's left-handed, and so I'm. I, it, it's kind of cute, like certain things. You just wonder if certain traits make certain people smarter or, let you know, ward off Alzheimer's disease. That's a good one. That's good. Left-handers are in their right minds. Uh, yes?
2: Well, another activity that a lot of people get into, uh, even though they're required to retire at 65, quite often... Uh, usually men will find another job, a part-time job, or something to require them to get up in the, in the morning. And women, too. I've kept on with my teaching, and I just love it. I don't know what I'd do without it. So, um, you know, it's something to think about.
1: And that is so true. You're right. You know, like, what do you want to do for your next step? What gets you off? Could that secondary job? Um, and as, as we're looking at the purpose in life, so many people think, well, I don't want to make it a career, too. So there's that all thing. So if you try and you want to learn, maybe you've never really tried pastel drawings or watercolor or something, you know, and you're thinking, but I just want to try it. That's okay to just give yourself, you know, the one class. And if you like it, sign up for more, you know, keep going on like that. Some purpose of life, some people during the summer, someone was so cute, she was saying, I'm going to be doing a garden. I'm going to try to grow tomatoes this year. And so she got her pot, of, you know, different pot, put it on her deck, so she's not going to till the whole land, but a little bit of purpose, again, to, to take care of, and that's a short term for the summertime. So your purpose of learning something new and going forward, you don't have to look at it as, a, you know, like something I'm going to stay with now for the next five years. Doing something short time. Um, Where our studies came from, the Memory and Aging Project, came initially from the Religious Order Study. Um, Some people know it as the Nun Study. Have have you heard about that study? Okay, that was our first kickoff with following people year to year to year, and Dr. Bennett uh, began that study about 15 years ago, and uh, there are about 1,500 nuns and priests and brothers who have been in that study, um, and currently we have uh, about 800 still, still living. So from that we had learned so much, but there's a different lifestyle. We're talking about lifestyles back then with, you know, with Ronald Reagan and such. Living as a nun or a priest, it's different than being out in the actual community. So that's why, again, we started that Memory and Aging Project. Um, you know, the stress, decision-making, how, do, how does that affect us as we get older? Um, but that, that was our religious order study. So again, as, as we're looking at what people do, I, this might be a good time. I just want to talk about a couple of studies that we are doing, and on your form here, if there would be any interest to hear more, that is where you would check your first two boxes. If you don't ever want to hear from us again, that's okay. We respect that, just you check your bottom box. But there is a study that is ongoing, and we are now in our third year of getting people to be in this study, but it ends recruiting at the end of this year. And it is our aspirin study. Um, It's called Aspirin and Reducing Events in the Elderly. We are doing this with 19,000 people worldwide. We're one of the... um, It's the United States and Australia doing this, this study, and could a low-dose aspirin, could that really help with positive aging? Okay, Some of you, uh, a lot of people who I talk with, take an aspirin for medical reasons, and that's great, you know, because that, that's what, you're, what, what you need to do. But some people um, don't take aspirin, or they're just taking it here and there. So if you'd like to find out more information on aspirin, we would like to let you know more about that. Aspirin is a natural herb. It's from the willow tree bark, an extract. And so in certain doses, it's safe, right? But it took Bear the Bear Brothers a long time to find the right dosage because it can cause bleeding. So again, that's why you buy the pills and you have the certain amount and it helps with the blood flow. We know, again, aspirin is very good for your 40- and 50-year-olds if you have heart problem and get older, but that was the studies way back then. We have not had a study on that for the older adult ever, you know. So could aspirin, could that help with memory? Could it help with heart? Could it help with certain cancers? So um, I know some of you know about the study. I, I, some people here are already in the study, but I always just like to let people know that is a current one we're, we're having. Uh, another one, again, is the vitamin D and um, fish oil. Could that make a difference? Another studies where we're going now with our studies are people who are actually diagnosed, who have uh, what they call mild cognitive impairment, and that's the initials MCI, um, and then the early, the mild, beginning stages of Alzheimer's disease. So with that, we are trying different um, avenues, some new drugs are coming out to be tested. With all our studies, we come out to you. You never have to come into rush. You don't have to fight that Eisenhower traffic. We come to you. And again, for any follow-ups, we come to you. Uh, If there would be any MRIs, we provide the transportation, okay? So um, our studies, again, could it help you today? Maybe not, but maybe. Uh, Then people ask, well, why would I want to get diagnosed? Why would I want to find out if I have the early stages, the MCI, you know, mild cognitive impairment? Sometimes you don't want to, okay, and we totally get that because it is something that we don't have cures. We don't have anything to um, totally reverse it. However, there are certain drugs that are out there that work for a lot of people, and it will just keep Keep your memory at like a plateau. It's like Aricep, Namenda, other type of medications. So yes, I mean, could you get help there? Also, just finding out, um, planning your future, if you have Alzheimer's disease or like memory. Now the other thought too, what if you have a memory problem, but it's not Alzheimer's disease? Maybe it's something as simple as, your own prescriptions are interfering with each other, and it's causing some sort of confusion. What if maybe you're having, um, going through a time of loss and grief? That can cloud your mind and your memory. There are so many different reasons. So my whole thought is, if you have a memory problem, if you're thinking, I don't think it's clear, and it's been, oh, you know, a few weeks, couple, two, three weeks, sometimes a month, okay, give yourself go ask your doctor, you know, get get a thought. But then how do you know you have a good doctor? All right, so you go in your doctor You say, oh, I think I'm not able to retain my memory as much. A good doctor will listen to you. A good doctor will not say to you, oh, you're getting older, that's okay, you know, and just, it's so, if you get that answer, you're getting older, it's okay, go for that second opinion. Um, just Just hear and have someone... Listen to what what you're saying. Um, I know you have a yeah, so. I'll well, pause for your question. I was
3: thinking um, of these five important lifestyle change uh, choices. I think water should be added too, is because a lot of a lot of times older people get dehydrated, and I think water is very important. And that also gives you the oxygen that we were talking about earlier. But um, in addition, I recently learned that zinc affects memory as well. And uh, I I lost my sense of taste and smell from taking antibiotics last year. Now, my taste has come back 90% or so, but I haven't regained my sense of smell. And I went on the Internet and um, took the different tests, and they, they, they suggested zinc has a lot to do with taste and smell. But on this one test, which was done by... Um, MDs, it says if you've lost your memory for names, that that had to do with zinc. So I've learned that zinc has to do with memory as well. So I just wondered your thoughts on it.
1: It's, um, so zinc, specifically for memory, uh, again, it, it's that full balance, a full balance of that good diet, making sure you're there. And if you're deficient, if you're deficient in zinc or um, just almost any other vitamin, iron, you, you're gonna have a difference in your feeling of what you can do, of, of, so your memory will could lapse. I mean, it could get worse. Uh, but it is the good, well-rounded diet, the good, well-rounded everything to go in there. So again, I do hear a lot of people asking, if I find it on the internet or my best friend's doing it, I'm gonna do it. And um, I, I kinda go along more with caution on that. I really do think it's that time then to go and talk to your doctor, get get your blood checked to see what deficiencies, and make sure you're not over medicating even with vitamins because again, there can be residual effects um, you know that that can happen so. So, again, go with caution just because your best friend or something is the My sister always tells me what I should do, and I'm like, oh, you know, let me think. You know, but you want you want to go along with your sister and your friends. So um, zinc, I can't say for sure, um, but I do know that it has to be totally r- well-rounded. Any other? Oh, yes.
0: Um I I was just in Florida for quite a while with my parents, and um, I'm noticing the definite signs of Alzheimer's in my mother. Um, I was just in Florida for quite a while in the land of older people, and I took my mother to her internist and actually met with another internist in the same practice because I've been noticing definite signs of Alzheimer's in my mother, um, the beginnings of it. And I was quite surprised that um, you know, I. She had no answers for me. She had, and either did this other doctor, who I thought were excellent doctors or good doctors. But I was so hoping for a, an avenue, some medication, something, and she just said, "Well, we could do some blood tests." And then the other doctor said, well, we could send her to a neuropsychologist or psychiatrist, and I just don't know where to go to take her. Um, I've also noticed personality changes. She's always been a very loving, dear person, and she'll grab onto something and get very agitated. Uh, I had a dear friend who spent five years with her dad who had Alzheimer's, and he was mr happy go lucky so i'm also interested in what you have to say about personality changes with alzheimer's and you know what are the things that you notice in someone and where do you go to find those answers
1: thank you for sharing that it's it's hard you're at a hard part you know like you want to help your mom or we always want to help our loved ones and you're searching searching for questions and answers um, the way to totally be diagnosed with an Alzheimer's uh, disease um, is, to ba- is to go through a different, it's almost like a pencil and paper test that neurologists do. I mean, we really 100% do not know if someone has Alzheimer's until they would pass away and we would do an autopsy. Um, I think it, you're kind of in that in-between part here where you're not getting the answers and that's where sometimes the second opinion to go forward is really something I would probably do for my mom. You know, I, I would want that second opinion. Um, on the back of here, like in Chicago, we do have a Rush Memory Clinic, okay? But there, there are so many qualified, wonderful neurologists out there, and um, you don't always have to come down to Rush. But we, what we do and what neurologists do, they... To get a good evaluation, it's best to go with a family member because you would probably, we would ask you what what you see changes of your your mom. They will also do a different memory test. It's, it's um, not that hard. You always feel like, oh, well, I flunk it. It's kind of intimidating. I've done it, and I think, oh, but I always do okay. But, you know, we have to get over that. But it's, it's one of those memory tests that she can do if, if you're, are asking your mom certain things and she can't remember it the next day, you know, it is, I would would get that extra extra look. And in fact, um, I think I have some on the back table from Karen, did I bring, there's a whole book, oh, there is, good. On the back table, there's a book that I brought, Preventing Alzheimer's Disease, What Do We Know? So this will bring, this, is a, this even goes a little bit further and more in depth from my lifestyle choices, what we are finding. Um, and in the back, again, what kind of resources can you do? What kind of foundations? Where can you do clinical trials? We have the resources back here. But I truly think the professionals are my, might be the best way to go. For the next one, um, there's neurologists are good, geriatric doctors, the geriatric, the, the different practices that work more with the older adults. You might want to call and kind of screen that way. I have found referrals are sometimes really good if you know anybody who, who is going. Now, is she still in Florida or is she up here now? Here. Oh, she is up here, good. Um, so, referrals, and you know, we have a few names that we could help with that, or maybe your friends, you know. Um, it, it is a process, and it's, it's that peace of mind. And like when I was, again, on the opposite end, sometimes I've heard doctors will just prescribe the Aricept without a whole lot of uh, testing. And uh, I really do think getting your bases covered and not just say, oh, it's totally Alzheimer's disease. I th- but going to a doctor is a good beginning. And your
6: physiologist, Physiologists that will study, you know, the physiology of what's going on. But the first step doctor that you have to go is there's general practice. We specialize in general practice and gerontologists. Gerontologists. Gerontologist. And that, they're the ones who will refer a neurophysiologist.
1: It's hard to... If, if you could hold more to the mic like this. Physiology. Yeah. Hold, hold your mic right... Yeah.
6: yeah. A neurophysiologist, you know, that will study, you know...
1: The psychologist?
6: Research, yes. Physiologist. Like now, the physiologist, not just the cardiologist, but cardiopsychologist that will study what's really going on, how it happens. That is another... Branch now. That's another good point. Yeah, Thank the you. The general practice. General practice. Who is specializing in gerontology? That will refer you to the specialist.
1: The specialist pe- working more with the older adult who'll sit and listen, um, and and again within, within different practices you'll have different type of uh, people who you might relate to more as well. So. But the gerontologists work with the older adults. Um, and again, in the United States, those numbers, we don't have enough. There's only like 9,000 geriatric doctors in the whole United States. It's, uh, we're, we are seeing such a need for, for that. And I see a lot of wonderful students down at Rush because we're a teaching hospital as well. Uh, so I always kind of say, well, where are you going in your direction? You know? And I just hope more and more go into the geriatric studies.
3: I have one quick question: How do they make the? I don't know if the right, correct word is clinical determination between Alzheimer's and um, dementia.
1: So that is such a good question. Like the dementia, Alzheimer's disease. Sometimes, um, sometimes you hear those words used together. You know, like and some and to explain what that means, it's like. Dementia is more of the umbrella type of terminology. It has a different change going on in your brain. There's something different going on, and what 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 could be then? To, I mean, that's sort of like the symptom. There's there's a change, but what could be the change? Could it be more of the memory loss, which is Alzheimer's disease? There's also um, like more vascular, uh, relating more to the front of your you know your brain there, and then there's the Parkinson, the Parkinsonian. A lot of times, again, eventually they could all kind of come together. But which individual one? And, again, a good reason to go to your doctor. There's more with, with the differences. If, if you're more into with the Parkinson's, you wouldn't want to be on the same medication as, as uh, memory loss. So eventually, with Alzheimer's disease, um, the memory loss, your brain does shrink. You know, it's, uh, There's so much differences going on. With, with dementia. But does that make sense? With the, dementia is the big word and then underneath. How I look at it, it's like 20 years ago cancer was the word everybody used. Uh, now we have so specific, of course, what type of cancers. 20 years ago you never wanted to say the word cancer because again it's where we are now it, with Alzheimer's disease. We have certain things that might hold it off, but will it really get better? We don't know. Um, and now, what do we do with cancer? We see the NFL players wearing pink. I even saw a pink fire truck the other day. You know how great is that? you know so with the alzheimer 's disease, um, we are the sixth leading cause of recorded death you know with alzheimer 's disease. However, we also know that sometimes there 's other complications, so even though it was alzheimer 's disease, they may list it as heart or something else. So our funding is way down compared to like heart and cancer for the United States. But but we're doing our best, you know, we're, we're, we're getting out there a lot and uh, it's still, it, it's okay to talk about memory loss. I think that also was a misconception with so many different people. Um, you used to hear the words like senile, you know, or things that didn't sound as good because maybe they weren't thinking as, as well. But it's okay to say I'm having trouble with my memory. Um, it, you know that is okay. Is um, like with the Parkinson's, Alzheimer's intertwined. They are two different diseases. They are a dementia because they have to do again with your brain. Uh, Parkinson's is more like when you, with the shake going and and with their memory it's more of the memory loss and when you were talking about like your different uh, personality change you can see that that is um, that does happen with Alzheimer's disease and a lot of times can happen more later in the afternoon um, sun right so you know there those are good indications to to continue help on that
5: We'll first go back. I was just wondering, um, partially you answered the question, but are there really preventative, besides the five important lifestyle choices that people make, are there medicines on the market today that could either prevent the onslaught of Alzheimer's or at least retard its progression? in a person who already has it. I was wondering if there is anything like that.
1: That is the question. I would love to be out of a job tomorrow. You know, I would love to say, yes, and here it is. But we don't have anything. What our goal is, what we would love to have, would be to find out what actually is that trigger that causes your plaques and your tango and that extra protein building up. Wouldn't it be great to have a vaccine, you know, to just to ward off that, to get it ahead of time before anybody even got it. You think of the polio vaccination, right? Uh, that's what we would love, but that that's hopefully down the line. So a lot of our research now is going for people who have totally been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, again, we need, we need that help as well. But with the baby boomers, everybody coming up, the percentage will stay the same, but because the numbers are big, we, we we're we're heading toward um, could be some some years with um, oh, I don't know confusion and trying to get it all worked together. So you had another question though. We'll go one more and then I'll come back to you. Yeah. Yes, you.
5: I, I'm sorry. I just wanted to ask uh, for your comment on this. I went to my doctor and said, you know, sometimes I have a hard time remembering names, not just people's names but like a city I've been to or something and it does come back but it takes a while sometimes or not and he explained it this way that the filing cabinet in your mind is pretty long and you have to flip through a lot of stuff because the older you get obviously probably your filing cabinet is just getting longer
1: that's is true. that a true that is true, a true thing really that is uh, that is really the best way as we get older, um, so much, we, we hopefully know a lot more. We've met a lot more people, you know, so uh, we, our file cabinets are getting filled up more. Also, there's so much more communication ways to communicate. So are we really focusing? Can we meditate sometimes to kind of just come back down and, and not be so going, going all the time? our brain gets cluttered and that's what I was saying earlier with a good sleep to really just just really decompress there so yes we have a lot more so some people say to me okay like I'm losing my keys I don't know where my keys are do I have Alzheimer's disease well how many 18 year olds who um, their brains are so good they can't even find their shoes that they were just wearing they put you know they can't so that is so true where people lose that now I I'm glad you brought up the point where you can recall names later or different uh, words that you're searching for. That that's okay then, you know. But it, it's if you really come to the point where um, you still can't recall the application spot that you were just just there or something. And so memory again is being able to retain new knowledge. Uh, so I always think a great way again is that exercising brain, even if you're reading the newspaper or reading a book book clubs uh, and you just repeat to somebody what you've what you've read what you're talking about that's again that exercising keeping that whole memory thing and um, yeah but you're right the file cabinet it gets longer you have a question then
0: yes um, I understand this. Alzheimer's was first
3: In the incidence
1: of? It. So, with, with Alzheimer's being um, first discovered by, by Dr. Alzheimer's, he's, um, he was. Has anything changed since then? I think what has changed since then isn't cures, isn't the prevention. It's again what we have learned with these certain lifestyle choices. Again, people didn't realize that this is so important. We are all living a little bit longer. I mean, do any of us were just so happy how well we're able to get around at our age? And it is true where um, the seventy-five-year-old today really was is like the sixty-five-year-old, even up to about ten years ago. We are we're we're definitely aging better and aging in place. So. Um, getting the different results, we don't have anything except like your your different medications with Namenda and Aricept but that doesn't reverse. That doesn't stop anything. It just hopefully keeps it at a level. Um, yeah, we, we have a long way to go. Not easy. To, I always want to come and say yes, but I can't. <laughs> But you're
5: working on it.
1: We are working.